Welcome to the Ecclesia Podcast. Join us as we engage in conversations about what it means to be the church in this age. We believe God is calling the church into a different mode of being, living beyond the status quo. Welcome to the next episode of our Ecclesia Podcast, a look at the local church. My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here at KGF Church, and I'm joined here today by Marissa. Hey, Joel. It's good to be here. And Pastor Phil, our lead pastor at KGF Church. Thanks, guys. Nice to be with you. Welcome to you both. Uh, Today, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the early church, and so we thought we'd bring on Pastor Phil. That's the 9 a.m. service we're talking about, right? No, this, oh. this is the historical okay. <laughs> early church. Oh, the historical so early church. I think first okay. century A.D. Uh-huh. or C.E. They started, the they started it. They started it. They started it. They started it. Yeah. So let's start by talking about uh, the disciples right after Jesus ascends into heaven. He says, stay in Jerusalem for 50 days and I will send the Holy Spirit. And then the Spirit descends. Talk to us, Phil, about um, how the apostles and disciples f- saw their role mm. in making disciples in, and in being the church and how this thing came about. Yeah, I mean, we can we can definitely dive into this together as you guys have been thinking about this as well. I've... Uh, I think, uh, you know, obviously, if, as you read the, the book of Acts, you begin to see this, this flowing out that begins to take place. And, you know, here at KGF, we talk about gospeling and fellowshipping, and you see that rhythm immediately in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes. And immediately there's a, there's a richness of fellowship and family and formational mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. as they're devoted to the uh, apostles' teaching fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. And but there's also an active life in the community. Now, of course, in Acts chapter 2, they're still in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't think you know, I, I actually I think that they had an understanding that Jesus was preparing them for the nations. They'd had experiences as disciples in Samaria, right? Among people who were other than them and different mm-hmm. from them. Of course, they mm-hmm. lived among the Romans. Mm-hmm. They were under the authority of Rome. Yeah. I don't think they quite understood. I'm not sure how they could understand how incredibly uh, explosive this was to become among like all the nations of the world. Mm-hmm. So, but very early, you see that that move begin to shift as they engage with the the world around them. So, if, as you move into like Acts chapter eight, I think we talked about this in the first podcast episode we did but in acts chapter 8 you actually have kind of the first cyclical fulfillment of acts chapter 1 verse 8 which is when the spirit comes on you you'll be my witnesses in jerusalem today and samaria to the ends of the earth Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. acts chapter 8 they because of persecution and the unexpected events of their day just like we're having unexpected events uh, they find themselves in samaria philip is in samaria and they're preaching the gospel and people are coming to Christ but you also have an Ethiopian eunuch who becomes a mm-hmm. believer mm-hmm. Uh, and so really by the end of Acts chapter 8 you have this first cycle that seems to have taken place Jerusalem first Judea ripple. and Samaria yeah ooh that's ooh. a good one it's the first ripple <laughs> and so you have this you have this incredible uh, presence of among an Ethiopian mm-hmm. of the gospel 
the Coptic yeah. Church today would still say that's where they got their they start. Were founded yeah. by that. Yeah. I mean, they would even go back further and say mm -hmm. Jesus and his family, when they left Judea because of the persecution under Herod, went to Egypt and into Ethiopia, and he they already experienced him back then. But mm -hmm. yeah, so I just don't think I you know very quickly they're finding themselves engaging the nations. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, there's just these clues that Jesus had dropped all the way along. There's a very famous passage, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. Mm -hmm. You know it, Marissa? Can you summarize the sheep and the goats? <laughs> Jesus said, what you do to the least of these, yeah. you do it to me. And the sheep are on one side and the goats mm -hmm. are on the other. What's the difference between the two? You can fill it in. You're the children's director. <laughs> like put me on the I'm spot. I'm putting you on the spot. Like, That's uh, not fair. I'm trying to recall. That was not fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. But the, essentially, what what you have is this this uh, message that there will be those who look after those who are hungry, thirsty, or in prison. And you came and visited me, and that's the sheep. But what's fascinating about that passage is when Jesus speaks it to his disciples. He says, it's the nations will be brought and judged, mm. not individuals. It's ta ethne in Greek. It's the same word as go and make disciples of all nations. nations. Mm. It's the same language. Ethnicities. Ethnicities, peoples, different nations, right? Language groups, religious groups. They will be brought and will be judged according mm. to the way in which they collectively which is a very humbling thing to think about these days, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So so Jesus had dropped these clues all the way along that it was bigger than Israel, bigger than the Jews. And so very quickly that starts to emerge, but it's really not, I don't think it's, I don't think they had like some great strategic plan. No. They were just kind of <laughs> discovering them. Like, oh, I mean, if they did, we never would have known. Around like yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> fumbling is probably the best way to describe it. Isn't that a little? It's often how we feel yeah. in the midst say, of this, yeah. and and that's kind of the point. I think is that it, it it doesn't become about what we're able to do ourselves, what we're able to build. It's that that God had this plan entirely, and He just allowed us to participate in. it. And That's an excellent point, because isn't it rather comforting that Acts or any of the New Testament letters really aren't a, like a formula or like a policy manual yeah. for how to do yeah. this. Yeah. It's a story. And that's yeah. so frustrating when yeah. you're when you're like, how do I live? How do I do this well? And we talk about how God could have, you know, just given us a phone direct line to him and we could ask. Mm -hmm. We're like, what are we supposed to do in this situation? There could have he's he, there could have been something instead yeah. he gives mm -hmm. us these stories and you know what are we to do with that how are we to work that out together mm -hmm. um and it draws on that community aspect of how we interpret and do community and and wrestle with that those those concepts and with scripture at the center mm -hmm. yes so when we think about how this progressed beyond acts this is where i think it's really fascinating like yeah People listening can't see this, but I have a plethora. Library. Of, I have my library <laughs> spread out in front of me here. Um, but I, I started digging through some of my books because I, as we were talking about this topic, because I've, there's just so much rich stuff out there. But um, 
uh, I have this book right here, The Change of Conversion and the Origin of Christendom, which sounds about Concise. as dry a book as you can ever imagine. <laughs> Those are the ones you wanted to avoid. Yeah, yeah. It's a great bedtime reading with your children. They fall asleep real quick. So, <laughs> but Parenting tips 101. Par- parenting 101. Read theology to your children. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Two birds with one stone kind of deal. Is that the reason God gave us theology? <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. <laughs> But what's interesting, so this this is a fascinating book by Alan Kreider, where he talks he talks uh, he, he does he does um, a conversion story. He basically he looks into testimony conversion stories from the first and second century. So what did people who were coming to Christ say about mm. their journey into into Christ? Mm. Uh, it's really fascinating. So, so this is specifically from Scripture. No, this is now like for end of the first century oh, okay. into the second so century. Okay. Yeah, so beyond. And and one of the things he points out is the type of scriptures. So you you made this great point, Marissa, about you know the needing for community, and you wrestle with the stories of scripture. Like we're working through Ephesians right now as a church, right? Well, you're wrestling with this text that's mm-hmm. written for a specific time, but as we come to understand it, we go, wow, actually applies to us. We just have to now figure out what that starts to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Kreider talks about is that there was, very interestingly, a key scripture that routinely comes up in all of the conversion stories and first-person testimonies of people who were coming to Christ primarily out of Gentile backgrounds. And the, that scripture is, if, is Isaiah chapter 2. So if you think about it, there's no New Testament yet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're hearing the stories of Jesus. The Gospels are beginning to get collected yeah. and written. Mm-hmm. Um, some of Paul's letters, of course, are being collected and shared among churches. And But by churches, we have to understand that it's not like... Like buildings, like steeples. when you drive through Kelowna or any other city and you see these great big buildings, it wasn't like that at all. You couldn't really identify the church by its structure. Mm-hmm. And so he points to Isaiah. He says, Isaiah chapter 2 comes up over and over and over and over and over. And it's, it's really fascinating. Can I read it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so it's just the first five verses. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it, and many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come let us walk in the light of the Lord. Mm. Now isn't that interesting that in the discipleship of new people in these small like neighborhooded churches really, mm-hmm. um, often in a house or hosted by a patron with a large estate or something like that, that this is a key scripture repeatedly referenced in in the discipleship stories of those mm-hmm. of the early church. And it, what does it talk about? It talks about nations coming together. Mm-hmm. It talks actually about the centrality of, of the Jews, that they mm-hmm. carry something for everybody else. Mm-hmm. But they're only one part. They're, they're, they're a partner in that. They're not better than. They're, mm-hmm. They carry it and invite others to it. And it's a 
it immediately moves toward a, a, a sense of healthy, whole, beautiful community where weapons are transformed, mm -hmm. where a way of life is different than what mm -hmm. they've known. Mm -hmm. And that's what forms, you know, as we've been using the word ecclesia, the ecclesia, it's forming that way of understanding what it means to be the church. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I've been so inspired by that personally, yeah. like by this invitation to come up to the mountain of the Lord. So if the, the, so the early church, like by the end of the first century, into the second century, uh, you know, the apostles are all dead. <laughs> and, uh, they're carrying this forward mm -hmm. into like little fledgling communities. Yeah. With, with probably just pieces of scripture, not even the whole thing, because you had to bring it all in scrolls at him. Right. And it would only be the Old Testament. Yeah. You know, at this point, with the stories of Jesus and the mm -hmm. Gospels now overlaid that, he's mm -hmm. the lens through which the community is understanding exactly, scripture yeah. and beginning to apply it. So uh, I'm, I've always, you know, I love history, but I've, I've always been just so deeply inspired by how... Um, how seriously they start to take what feels like an impossible task. Like the vision of this in, Act, in Isaiah 2 is huge. Like, like we're going to impact the nations. Mm -hmm. But Jesus had already said back in Matthew 25 that when judgment comes, it's the nations that will get judged. So somehow we're supposed to influence them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it sounds so confusing. Like it's just, like again, that's like that wrestling point of, you know, what is what is the truth that comes out of that as a community and as a church, um, both small and large? Like, I don't know. I, re I, I think that's a, a great point to begin with in terms of what does judgment look like as a nation, but influence as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It becomes rather humbling, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, in the moment of time that we find ourselves like this, of historical moment which we don't even know what that all means it's like like how do you know what this moment is producing mm -hmm. we don't but, but how do you know like there's also that equal sense of excitement um in that we're like running parallel to to scripture in different ways but it feels like a sense of um you know again that fumbling um and the understanding, though, that God's going to raise up something mm -hmm. beautiful and new and, and really allow us to dive into what he has for us here, mm -hmm. both in Kelowna and globally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things I've also been thinking about in this, and this is also you see this in Acts, right? Mm -hmm. So as this new thing emerges in Acts, you routinely see in, the, in Luke's telling of what has happening through the church that the 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 church and even as it expands into the gentile world is constantly putting scripture at the center of their conversation mm -hmm. so it's not just it's not really a political movement in the sense of how we think of a political movement mm -hmm. they put scripture at the center jesus as the fulfillment of that scripture because now he's risen from the dead and has ascended mm -hmm. and the holy spirit has come but scripture is always at the center even when they get to gentile places Right? Like they, they're inviting people to wrestle with things like Isaiah chapter 2. Mm -hmm. What does this now mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And that shifts how a people see their time and place. And one of the things I've been encouraged by in this moment that we find ourselves in, just in some conversations I've had with people in our, in our church, is like a desire for to be in Scripture. Mm. And, and sometimes a struggle to know what to do with it. <laughs> uh, but that's where the community comes in. Yeah. So the opportunity to unpack Scripture together like uh, actually earlier today, Marissa, your story. Maybe you could tell that actually, like the story of wrestling with a group of of women together around the scripture from yeah. this past Sunday, as we were talking. Yeah, about well, it. it's it's the the wrestling of how a culture can can influence language, um, in terms of how I reacted very strongly to the word submission during during the sermon in Ephesians five. In Ephesians five, and. The group of women that I were in were actually just embracing it. And I was like, don't you understand what this word means? Um, and in my own heart, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't get there. But the more these women talked about it, the more encouraged I was to just open a little bit more to the, to the concept that maybe, maybe I'd been influenced in a way that wasn't necessarily healthy to what was trying to be communicated by you, Phil. And um, yeah, just just by their influence, their, their graciousness in um, not allowing culture to influence scripture instead of the, rather it being mm-hmm. the other way around. Um, I became open to it and going, oh, okay. Like maybe it was just the way it had been used against me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became, and it, 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 like it might still become that, like, oh, I'm still hesitant, but I'm able and willing to embrace it more because I had that flipped. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you describe is actually, so so you, we could go back 2,000 years yeah. and put another scripture into that. So even if, if we'd imagine ourselves being in Ephesus mm-hmm. and we've heard Paul for the first time and we're a people who love to riot. <laughs> so, so we've just had a good riot because these... These people are declaring something new that we don't understand. Um, and then as you get to know and hear the story, now now that group of people are like, hey, could we sit together and talk about Isaiah chapter 2? Mm-hmm. Where it says here we're going to build our uh, beat our swords into plowshares. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, that sounds inviting, but it, it comes against everything that you identify with. Yep. It's a laying down of your own stuff, your own, even your own history, yep. your own cultural identity. All these things are challenged. So in some ways, your experience of this past week is no different than what these Christians would have gone through in the first and second century. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're centering their conversation around Scripture and going, okay, if God has spoken through this, then we need to wrestle with this and understand what it means rather than just you know, throw it out the side. Just because it doesn't sit comfortably. Yeah, comfortable. just because I, or, or because those were, those words, you know, have taken on like submission, yeah. has taken on wrong connotations and been applied wrongly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes been hurtful. Mm-hmm. So I, I just think, I, I just wonder if we're, some of the richness of this season that we're in and the future uh, is again centered more and more around are wrestling together with scripture, mm-hmm. which demands a setting aside of our own ideas, agendas, our testing of them, yeah, and trying to figure out what does it mean for this to be truth 
the word, right? How is this different than a book study? How is this different than reading Brene Brown, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> well, she's great. She's great, yeah. yeah. She's great, but it's just like I'm guessing 200 years from now, there won't be like Brene Brown study groups, yeah. right? Yeah. There'll be somebody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I'd be interested in exploring is you mentioned, and it says in Isaiah uh, 2, verse 3, the law will go up from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. What were, what were some of the, like, the main historical and uh, maybe even political catalysts? Like, what were the factors that forced the, uh, the disciples, the, the followers of the way out of Jerusalem and like, how do we see that happening today? Mm. Well, we could wrestle with that one together, couldn't we? I mean, it's, uh, I mean, the primary push out of Jerusalem was persecution, was a, was like a political shift mm-hmm. that forced their hand. Is that, is that the, the, the killing of Stephen? Yeah. So Stephen is killed. A great persecution breaks out. Acts 8, the beginning. Saul is there, who becomes Paul, but Saul's there approving of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And now this persecution breaks out. But that actually becomes a common theme. And, you know, there's a whole actually school in missiology uh, around diaspora mm-hmm. and God's use of the migration of peoples, mm-hmm. right? That And forced migrations historically have often brought about the renewal of the church. Mm-hmm or the planting of the church in places where it hasn't been before. And so God has his ways of getting people where he needs them to be. Mm-hmm. And often the way he gets them there um, kind of makes them hobbits. They're the, they're the halflings in that land, yeah. right? They're that new people in that place yeah. who they're don't... The outcasts. F- they're the outcasts. They don't fit. Yeah. And they, they don't... They, they're kind of peculiar and they don't have a the home ones that not everybody understands nobody understands them yeah. but what it does in the church in that moment is it produces humility mm. right so mm. the church comes in often having been purified and tested having to go uh we've only got the lord yeah that's all we've got all we have is our faith. I'm th- I just tweaks the story uh a year ago I was, uh, before we, we moved to Kelowna, uh, I was the interim pastor at a church, and there was this great story. So on Easter, this church that had a lot of elderly people did a hymn sing. So they do this hymn sing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, the song was, It Is Well With My Soul, which we've sung in our mm-hmm. fellowship mm-hmm. a number of times. Beautiful old song, right? Lots of remixes on that one. And, <laughs> and uh, this lady in her 80s, just wouldn't sing. And her, a number of younger adults were in there, like, you know, in their 20s and some teenagers. And this lady wouldn't sing. And when the song was over, she stood up and she's like, I can never sing that song. She's like, well, you know, why can't you sing that song? She's like, because when I was five years old, uh, we were forced from our homes in what is today Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And we were forced to retreat with the Germans in World War II, and we were caught between the front lines. So the Soviets were shooting from one side, the Germans were shooting from the other, and we were in a barn. All the dads had been taken, either forced into some form of slavery, either in the military or who knows where, or shot in front of their families. 
And all these little kids are with their moms, thinking they're all going to die. And she said, in that moment, the moms gathered all the kids and sang, it is well with my soul. Wow. And then like, you know, you can just hear like, it's just quiet because it's powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Because suddenly there's a, there's a community thing going on among a group of people. They've lost the wealth they had. They're caught between a future they don't even know will ever be. And all they can do is come to faith and what they have to cling to. And that migration story of that people is one of the reasons why there's, like at least in the tradition of KGF church, that's why there's some of these Mennonite Mennonite brethren churches in North America because of that group of people. Yeah. So uh, they weren't born here, and First Nations peoples who were here have suffered, of course, in many ways, because, and my First Nations uh, friends who are believers in Jesus would say, like, we were also just the first ones sent here to steward something God wanted to do here. Mm -hmm. The fact that that's been messed up regrettably at different points doesn't change the fact that God has always shifted and moved people around, Mm -hmm. and that's produced a humility, meant to produce a humility, Mm -hmm. a hanging on to Him, and that's what produces... Um, that's what starts to produce a community that's different than any other. Mm. Once the church tries to grasp for power, then other stuff happens. History's full of that. History's full of that. that. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's from every religious perspective, right? But where the the church maintains that position of humility, I I think that's where the Lord keeps shifting these things. So I think Isaiah 2 is intended... You know, the, the way, the reason I think the early church grabbed onto that is because it forced, it, it's a humble message, right? Mm-hmm. We're not about power. We're actually about people coming together, seeing the hope of the Lord, mm-hmm. transforming the things that we carry that we would have once used against each other. Mm-hmm. And now we lay them down mm-hmm. and they're transformed. We're transformed. And then the invitation at the end there is, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just stay in that place. Yeah. That's, I think, the discipline. So the, the historical movements, like even in Acts, are often, you know, forced. Um, when they are planned, they're planned by the Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> like this, so the church in Antioch in Acts 13 sends Paul and Barnabas, you know, but it's the Holy Spirit as they're worshiping and praying together that sends, now send Paul and Barnabas for the work I've set them apart for. So where do we send them? I don't know. Get on a boat and go where there's Gentiles, I guess. And they go. And they start to start to move and often again suffer. So there's those themes that start to emerge in the history, early history of the church. Mm-hmm. Without any power, this crazy big vision of the nations in view mm-hmm. and the invitation to be a community around that. Yeah. What are you thinking, Joel? Well, what I hear you saying is... You're describing this missionary heart. It's a it's a heart that acknowledges we're we're not where we're we're not in familiar territory. This is unexplored. This is um, in in a way somebody else's domain, mm-hmm. right? We can think of we can think of this world as being the the domain of the prince of this earth. Um, when the Bible talks about like this is this is where where Satan operates on this on this level um 
and we're we're coming in and we have this hope we have this gospel good news of uh, a god who seeks to redeem um but there's such humility in coming to a place where you don't you don't know where where to get things you don't know like when you move town you don't know where things are you don't speak the language maybe you don't know the slang you don't know the culture like why do people gather around certain things like sports events or mm. um things like that and um it's this uh, i'm just getting the sense that there's this call to see ourselves as missionaries in our own neighborhoods and that, that almost sounds cliche but um, in the way that we are new, we are coming in from outside and God wants us to make connections, meaningful relationships with the people who live there and to talk with them like, like Paul did, just like on the street outside of their temples, mm. whatever our temples are. Maybe our temples are the hockey arenas in Canada, <laughs> <laughs> which you can't go to now, which you can't <laughs> go to now, but there's this whole culture that mm. we're meant to engage with. Mm-hmm. And we're not from it, in a sense. That language of like being kind of foreigners and trying to figure out a new place is really what it feels like now, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think for everybody is, how does it, like, what is this space we're now in? So we can desire to retreat to what was. Mm-hmm. In some ways that happens in Acts too, right? Like mm-hmm. in Acts 15 is a little bit of the Jewish Christians saying, well, mm-hmm. somehow we got to hang on to the law yeah (laughs) we got to hang on to the old testament law especially circumcision Mm -hmm. so they're wrestling that through Mm -hmm. because they're in this new unfamiliar space and i really think that's part of our you know kind of the discombobulating feeling that that, everybody has that sense of control right like that's that's kind of what it is it allows us it forces us to release control and therefore looking for foundation and reevaluating where our foundation is and it should be in in christ Mm -hmm. Um, and a a simplicity of being uh the people of god together yeah that's one of the things i've been thinking a lot about a a lot about in this is like you know end of the day if if i'm not in scripture with others uh if i'm not uh and it's not just about learning stuff about god but then like saying how do i now apply this with a group of people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who are filled with the spirit seeking to understand what this means that that, there's it's really that doesn't seem that complicated Mm -hmm. at points Mm -hmm. it's more how it hits my convenience how it hits Mm -hmm. my comfort Mm -hmm. like you're saying Mm -hmm. there that shaking of that piece Mm -hmm. like i feel that as well right yeah makes me wonder what are the things that we are going to be tempted to hold on to <laughs> like like the jewish and like the jewish christians in the early church trying to hold on to that symbol of cin- circumcision what are the things that we're going to go mm-hmm. or the israelites when they were like we maybe egypt wasn't so bad you know we had some security there yeah um what are we going to be te- and we could spend maybe in maybe this will be our next podcast it's like <laughs> talking about the things that we're going to want to hold on to and cling to that god is actually saying no like let go of that mm. that's that's the old place that's the place you came from i'm calling in you into a new place um and who knows what's going to happen uh but this is the great adventure that well I think yeah god it goes back into. to the point that you were making on how the early christians had to take old scriptures and see it through the lens of christ Mm -hmm. like the stories that they were hearing 
And so the, the same kind of has to apply for us in as we approach the new we need to still keep that lens on and go, what are you calling us to? Um, hmm. And remaining in that, remaining in scripture and trying to reflect on our culture, on our community and what God is calling to us in this and what he's asking us to partner in. Hmm. Um, it's intense and it seems simple, <laughs> but it, it can get, as I said earlier, like that whole idea of, sub, of submission, you can get lost Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have that community, when you have all these pieces of the equation, um, you can you can remain and be have that rod um, that the good shepherd uses, mm-hmm. and remain on the path in which God is intending for us. Um, yeah, it reminds me a little bit of like um, it's a really interesting sh- passage in so I think it's Jeremiah two or three, maybe four, where. Um, uh, the Lord says, the Lord says, uh, in this, in this season, as the, as Israel's about to go into exile, Judah is about to go into exile. Everything's going to change. Everything is going to change. And even when they eventually come back, everything's different than it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, forget the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, forget that. And there's going to be a time where people say, uh, you know, just like they'll, they'll, they'll stop saying, remember the time when God delivered us from Egypt? They're going to start saying, remember when he delivered us from Babylon? Mm-hmm. So even in the Old Testament, there's that reframing around who God is. Mm-hmm. What's he up to in the world? But you need a lens through which you see that. That's one of my concerns for this moment that we're in is if we only have a current cultural lens mm-hmm. or even a cultural lens that's only 100 years old, or is shaped by, you know, whoever, who knows by what it's shaped, right? Like, if that's the lens we're looking at things through, we don't have an authority and a foundation. And so when Jesus over and over again says, you know, if you obey my word, you know, you'll, the end of the Sermon on the Mount is all about, you build your, you build your house on the rock. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the rock? Those who hear my word and do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... That's that collective work we have, which the early church was all about. We hear the word of the Lord. We go, how are we going to do this together? Where does Jesus lead? Where is the Holy Spirit at work? Let's do that together. Mm-hmm. It's kind of wild yeah. <laughs> and not very programmatic in many ways. Yeah. Serious big questions. <laughs> um, we are almost out of time. So, Phil, I'm just going to ask you, would you pray for us Sure. as we close this, this episode out? Yeah, Heavenly Father, uh, you are King of Kings. You are the creator. Um, This place where we live right now, where we are uh, sitting or listening to this, uh, was actually entrusted to people who migrated here before any of us ever did. Mm -hmm. So we honor that. Um, You've entrusted this particular moment in time to us. And I would confess, Lord, not knowing or having a clue what to do but you do. We trust you. You are the Lord who has always led your people. And so our commitment isn't to a way of doing church. It's a commitment to be the children of God. So fill us with your spirit. Uh, Bring us to ongoing places of humility and absolute trust in you. And keep writing your story in history and let your kingdom come and your will be done. Mm -hmm. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 
Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, help us reach even more people by leaving a review, like, or share on your favorite platform. If you have any questions or comments, email us at podcast at kgfchurch.com. 